the thud as the hammer strikes your hand rather than the chisel. Hello and welcome to episode number five of Walking the Landscape. Today we're going to look at the landscape natural resources and how people lived, used that resource as a way of living. My name is Martin Matthews. Welcome. And as you hear me speak today, you'll hear the wind in the background. Familiar sound to the people who worked on the slate quarries years ago. Standing here on a windy, rainy day, looking up at a 40-foot sheer cliff face of slate, made by the hand of generations of families that have worked these quarries back to probably the 1600s. One of the most man-made landscapes in this particular area, being reclaimed now by trees and ivies and forest bushes, tall ash trees standing guard on the rim, looking down on the slag heaps of flagstones that have been discarded over the years, deemed not of much use. It has been said the flags here were never of high quality, they tended to be used on floors of pig houses and, and cattle houses and various different things like that. But it was a natural resource, it was used. It was used in fillings of roads and indeed if you walk around the landscape you'll see lots of little holes and quarries that were used to build walls, lay paths, make lanes more passable. But when you think that most of this work was done by hand, pony and trap or donkey and cart, some of the heaps or rebbage as they were called were piled as high as 40 or 50 foot. How must have it been to come here with a crowbar, sledgehammer, various different tools that you would use to raise slate, looking for the big pieces, but invariably finding thousands of small pieces that needed to be stacked high. And now, as we look, see a yellow digger Where's the family? Years ago, there were the Cumminses. There were a local family who farmed here and who worked a quarry. It was said that their house was a thatched house that reached floor to ceiling with thatch. They all died, died out in the area, emigrated. The last of them being claimed by what was called locally the galloping consumption. And the galloping consumption was TB. It was the stigma to have it in your family, to have it in your house. But it died out. The quarry has never really taken back its previous way of being. It still looks like an open scar on the landscape. A measure of what 
ant-like work can do a piece every year. And that's the thing about landscapes, about farming, about using natural resources. Time has come when these natural resources are supplanted by modern day technology, whether it's concrete, plastic. But it has existed. These people have had existed. The stories now are becoming dimmer. They're being used to mythologize or to have a look at a heroic way of living. But I suppose in reality, if you were the one who were to get up on a damp, windy morning and pull stone, sharp flags from the ground, stack them, making a meager living, even though it was heroic, it might feel it. In the process of making these past five episodes of Walking the Landscape, it was really brought to the attention of what is my emotional and psychological relationship with the landscape. How I look at it maybe with a romantic view but as we think about the people who worked and lived, women, men and children, the stories tend to be heroic or some kind of yearning for a past way of being. But life wasn't ideal, it was surviving. I'm sure in those generations, whether it's grandparents or great-grandparents or even further back, they also yearned for a simpler way of being. But now, our landscape is shaped by motorways, bigger quarries, doing things cheaper, faster, quicker, not necessarily better. But it's part of us. One thing is for sure, the landscape will eventually again reclaim. Thank you for listening to episode five. Next week's episode number six will be the last episode in this series. So I hope you will join me. Thank you very much.